Welcome to the East Coast Believers Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this inspires and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Norm. Hey, let me, um, let me bring you up to speed on this series that we're in the middle of. It's the beginning of the year, as you know, and uh, always at the beginning of the year, I always try to... Uh, preach a message that really gets us to set our year in the right direction. And that's why we always start at the beginning of the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's intentionally put at the beginning of the year because I believe how you manage the first part of your year will always affect the rest of the year. And so we're in the middle of a series called 2019, This Is My Year. And this is really this is not just a title, guys. I really want this to be more of a declaration. That 2019, come on, this is going to be my year for some real change. This is going to be my year that I experience all that God has for me. And I think like what happens is at the beginning of every year, we take advantage of the calendar flipping over. And it's a good thing to do. We reflect, we look back at 2018 and we say, okay, there's some things that were great about 2018. We give God praise for, we're thankful for that. But also, so there's some things that didn't go the way we wanted them to go. And so we make a decision that in 2019, it's going to be different. And so oftentimes, if you're anything like me, we come up with a list of some things that we're going to change. We have what we call a New Year's resolution list. And we're going to make some resolutions that, that we're going to change some things in our life. And maybe we're going to lose weight. Maybe we're going to exercise more. And maybe we're going to read our Bible more. Maybe we're going to be more spiritual. Maybe we're going to, you know, spend more time with the family. Maybe Maybe we're going to, you know, uh, get, uh, you know get, get our, out of debt, get our spending habits under control. We do all those things. And here's the reality. The reality of studies tell us that the average person, 80% of the people who, who have a New Year's resolution list, th- that in six weeks they're going to quit and they're going to give up. And here's the bottom line about that. Like, I understand that because a lot of people say, okay, I'm going to punt that and I'm going to do that in 2020. I'm going to make those changes. And that's okay, but there's another group of people that they fail so many times that they come to the place in their life, and this is tragic. Well, this is just who I am. This is just the kind of person I'm going to be. And, and they buy into the fact that they can't make changes in their life. And so you oftentimes you've heard this phrase, it's a cliche phrase, and I want to base this message off of this. We don't need resolutions, we need a revolution. And it's not just a list of to-do things, but we want to back into this and say, what do I need to do different in my life to get these changes in my life? Bottom line is, if we don't make changes in our life, then all of a sudden we start feeling bad about ourselves. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs 13, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And a lot of us, we, buy, we, we, we keep year after year not getting changes in our lives. And before long, it's tragic. But we say, this is just who I am. And it just makes us sick on the inside. And so what happens is, and, and this, is, this is what I get concerned with. This is my fear, if you will. And this is what I don't want to happen in, in your life. But instead of hope, we learn to cope. And instead of like hoping they bring change to our life we just learn to manage the dysfunction in our life and can I I just be frank with you Jesus John chapter 3 and verse 16 famous verse for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that we can learn to cope with this world that's not how it like God didn't send Jesus everybody for us to cope 
He sent Jesus so he could have a changed life on this earth, not just to get to heaven, everybody. And that's, that's the bottom line is too many of us, we're just coping with what we have instead of having hope. And here's the reason why. Resolutions do not work. Uh, making a list, those things do not work. Because why? We're dealing with external things. And if you ever want to have any real change in your life, this is the thesis for this whole series. And here it is. We have to change from the inside out, not from the outside in. So many of us, we're, we're like trying to, we have these lists, lose weight, get in shape, exercise more, get our spending under control. And the bottom line is, is if we don't make decisions on the inside, it's not going to affect the outside. Within six weeks, we're going to go back to the old way of living. Today, I want to deal with a topic and a subject that unfortunately is becoming more and more prevalent in our culture and our society today. Today, I want to deal with a topic that's going to hit home with a lot of people. This is one of those things that often don't find its way onto your list. But certainly, if you want to have any victory in this arena of your life, it's going to be making some changes on the inside. It's going to deal with your soul. And I want to deal with the topic, and here it is. And, and uh, unfortunately, more and more people are dealing with this today. And it's the subject of depression. The highs and the lows, the moods that come. And, and when depression comes, and it comes, and it goes, sometimes it lasts for weeks. Sometimes it lasts for days. For some people, are in a cycle of depression, on and on and on. And let me give you a definition of this because I, I, I knew as soon as I put this up there was going to be pushback and about half of you are going to say well that's not me I don't have to listen to this today but let me give you a definition of depression because I think we all deal with this more than we really want to admit depression is nothing more than a, a hopelessness that's not consistent with reality it's, it's, it's a hopelessness in our life it's really it's not consistent with any type of reality and all of us at some level have probably dealt with this in our life. And I, I, I want to say this very clearly. I don't pretend to have all the answers. I'm not a therapist. I'm not even really a good counselor. And I don't pretend to have all the answers. I would never, ever want to dishonor anybody in here. And I would never even want to portray this, that I could change someone's life that's dealing with this in a deep way in a 35, 38-minute message. But... I also, it's my job as a pastor to show you that there is some hope. And I also want, I'm not saying that doctors and counseling and therapy and medication are wrong. All I'm asking you is to also have the God factor included in that. And my hope is today, because because all that other stuff, it can, it can help you, but God can deliver you in Jesus' name. Like, like God can do some things for you. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I have a dear, dear friend of mine that, um, that has enlightened me and shared some things with me over this, over the years. And as a pastor, you know, um, I have to be honest with you, uh, I, I don't really on a daily basis deal with anything like this in my life. I'm sort of an optimistic guy. I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a half full kind of guy, not half empty. I usually wake up every day pretty excited about my day and what's going to happen. But in our church, I've seen more and more of this pop up. I consult with a lot of churches and I work with a lot of pastors and I'm dealing with pastors that are dealing, even this week recently, just dealing with pastors that struggle in this arena. And, and I wanna dedicate this service today to anyone who thinks this is just who I am. 
This is just the kind of life that I'm going to live. And I'm going to show you, at least my hope is to give you a catalyst, to give you a way out of this when these things try to come. In my life, I haven't really dealt with it much. I, I, I think I look back and think, yeah, there was a time, uh, you know, um, when, before this church started. Dee and I were on staff at a church in Tulsa. I was a missions director. And um, we... Um, uh, I traveled all over the world and my job was to go and plant Bible schools and work with our teams around the world as a dean of a Bible school and I was also associate pastor of a church and really like our dream we just bought a home on some acreage and um, and Dina had all plans for that and and we had two little kids at the time and life was just perfect all at a great job great church every need of our life was met and, and in the middle of all this I just started feeling like almost depressed like I lost my joy and I lost my peace and I just I mean I just be honest with you I just I just almost didn't want to do what I was doing anymore I just sort of lost like I'll be honest with you I lost my joy in that season of life and and so I, I can relate to this to a degree and honestly it was in that season that I had to turn to God and that's where and in that time of turning to God that's really where uh, East Coast Believers Church was birthed and uh, that's where we launched this church was out of that season I'd get up in the middle of the night and I would drive down to my office about six or seven miles from our home and we had a little prayer room in there I'd go pray two three o'clock in the morning and, and, and I, I'll be honest with you I saw like this right here and uh, but you were you weren't here yet and neither was I and uh, and God gave me the dream and the vision to plant East Coast Believers Church out of it let me give you the text for this because I think a lot of us are going to relate to this Psalm 42 the psalmist David said, day and night, I have only tears for food. <laughs> he said, well, my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? Like, like I, all I have is tears. My friends around me are saying, hey, like, what's going on? And this is, here it is, my heart is breaking. And I think this is where a lot of people are. Like, they don't understand. Their heart is breaking. Their tears are there. As I remember how it used to be. Like, I, man, I remember a day it wasn't like this. I walked among the, because I was walking among crowds of worshipers. I was leading a great procession to the house of God. I was singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Like it, because I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why my heart is breaking. I look back and I, I didn't used to be this way, but what's going on? Here's the question. Why am I so discouraged? We're going to deal with this. Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. We have to answer the question. Why is my heart so sad? David's saying, like, what's, what's wrong with me? Like, what, 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 what am I doing wrong? Why, why all of a sudden am I depressed? Why all of a sudden am I having these mood swings? Why all of a sudden is I've, I've, I've lost the reality of what my life is? And, and I'm going to take you back to one of the most basic New Testament Christian principles that you just have to buy into if you're going to stay with me in this message. And here it is. It's found in the book of Proverbs. For as a man... For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Here's the principle. What we think, we become. And so my job as a pastor this morning is we've, we've named a problem. Okay, depression. And we, I, my job is to expose to you really what depression is. I have to share with you what the source of that depression is in people's life. And, and, and I also have to give you a way out. I have to all do this within the, within the context of Scripture. 
And, and I would never, come on, I, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I would never dishonor anybody here today and say, hey, let me pray a quick prayer over you and everything's gonna be okay in your life because we know, I mean, th- we're so thankful for the power of prayer, we're so thankful for what it does, but we know there are people that are deep in some things and that God, in Jesus' name today, wants to deliver you and give you some answers out of that. And so here it is, what we think we become. And so we got to expose some things. I want to expose the source of wrong thinking in your life. And I want to show you, I want to share with you where wrong thinking comes from. So when it comes, you can recognize it. Number one, here it is. The number one source of wrong thinking is the devil. And let me just tell you, I'll do a timeout here because what I know is this, that a lot of you are going to go, oh no, I don't know where your theology fits in on this, whether you say, well, I don't know if the devil's real or not. Well, let me just tell you, there's an adversary of your soul, his name is Satan, and he works overtime in your life with, and he, his primary weapon, and here it is, is lying, wrong thinking. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 8 and verse 44, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Here it is. He's a liar. And he's, he's not just a liar. He's the father of all lies. And he just, like, and, and, and let me give you some, some sim- simple theology for a New Testament Christian. Let me just be real clear with you. The devil is defeated in Jesus' name. He has no power in your life whatsoever I want you to know that. He can't make you do anything. He can't force you to do anything. He can't keep you anywhere. But what he can do is suggest things to you. And if you act on those things, it's going to cost you. He can't make you do it, but he can suggest it. He's a liar. The psalmist David said it like this. He said, how long, like how long do I have to wrestle with my thoughts? (laughs) And day after day, have sorrow in my heart. How long Will my enemy triumph over me? Notice this. I wrestle with my thoughts. It produces sorrow in my heart, and the source of it is my enemy. Here it is, the source of wrong thinking. You you need to know this. The devil at times can produce wrong thinking in your life. I'm not blaming everything on the devil. I'm not saying there's there's a devil under every rock. You know, the devil didn't make you eat a whole pecan pie over Christmas, okay? You did that yourself, you know? The devil didn't make you skip your workout, whatever. All I'm saying is the enemy will come and he'll produce thoughts in your life. It, 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 It just happens. I remember in my life, when this church, before this church first started, I remember we moved here and, 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 and all of you people by the thousands were staying away from us. None of you knew us and uh, we moved, didn't know a single person here. And I remember we had moved here to Plant East Coast and, and uh, I had gone to, we lived right down the road from here, I'd gone to Walmart on Colonial. And I had actually gone this month, January, and I had gone to go buy some um, exercise equipment because I was making some New Year's resolutions. And, um, and so I remember walking out with my exercise equipment, and as, as sure as I'm standing here, I looked over and there was a guy pushing carts at, at Walmart. And there's nothing wrong with pushing carts, it's just not my call. And, and so when I walked by him, I heard as loud as can be on the inside, you don't even have six months, and that'll be you doing that. You have six months, that'll be you. And I thought, right away, I thought, well, no, you know that, no, no, that, that's, that won't be me. But I got, I remember Dina had a white van at the time. I 
taking her van to get this exercise equipment and I was driving in her white van and I can't even explain it it's like the enemy was whispering in my ear that's you that's who you are I remember coming home we left all fired up pumped up we're going to start East Coast Believers Church people are going to get saved lives are going to be changed and I remember in a 20 minute drive home I came home to Dina I went there on fire for the Lord I came home in 20 minutes to Dina I think we made a mistake I'm not sure this is for us I'm not, I don't think we can do this and all of a sudden just for that quick day, day and a half depression tried to set in on my life what is it is, it's a, it's where you have inconsistencies with the reality of the situation. Hopelessness sets in. I'll tell you one even recently, not re- about, about four years ago. We did, we built this building. Our church, we were three services in our old facility. And we built this building and God worked miracle after miracle after miracle for this building to come to pass. And we had our grand opening service in here. And uh, I mean, everybody came. We had friends come from all over. I mean, we absolutely, our first service, packed this place out. We did one service. There was no parking in the parking lot. Every seat was taken. People were standing. It was out of control. People were everywhere. You'd think, man, look what God has done. We left this service, and we took a team of people, friends of ours, from friends out of town and others. We went over to Seasons 52 in Altamont to have, to have a celebration lunch after this big project grand opening bankers were here other people here I mean awesome time I never I'll never forget I turned I was in my car I turned from Tuscaloosa under Redbug, and out of the middle of nowhere this thought popped in my head sure they came for the grand opening but nobody will come back next week you're going to go have a big party about all that God has done and next week's going to look awful and I drove all the way down Redbug up 436. And I walked in, we had a private room back there, about 30 people. Tables filled up with people, all laughing, cutting up. And I did what everyone else does that deals with thoughts like this. I faked it. I smiled and said, oh, everyone's like, that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, it was awesome. God's good on the inside. I'm thinking, yeah, you come back next week and see how bad it's gonna be. All, all I'm saying is, is nobody is exempt from wrong thinking that will come from an enemy he'll try it on anybody here's another area our problems we have problems and when the world produces problems in your life or when problems just come maybe by something you've done wrong in the midst of a problem it's real it's real easy for a small problem to turn into a big problem this is why when you get attacked in the area of problems this is why it's so important to have good theology in fact, let me say this to you. you are, I love reading the book of Psalms. So I, my Bible reading plan, I read the book of Psalms every day. I read a proverb a day, a couple of Psalms a day, and some other chapters. But I love reading the Psalms. And I would tell you, when you read the Psalms, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost comical sometimes when you read it. Psalm, the Psalmist David in particular, at the beginning of a lot of Psalms, he starts off by saying, man, life is horrible. Life stinks. My, I don't like my family. I don't like my friends. I don't like my job. I'm broke. I'm sick. God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of all my... And you read at the end of the Psalm, I mean, the same Psalm at the bottom, he's like, oh God, you're so faithful. Oh God, you'll never leave me. Oh God, so grateful for you. And here's one of them, Psalm chapter 10 and verse one. He said, oh Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? Because doesn't this describe somebody who's going through a diff, difficult emotional time? 
God, where are you? Why are you hiding? I'm, I'm looking for you. I'm telling you, a few, 16 verses later at the very bottom, he ends the psalm like this. You, Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. He started off by saying, oh, you don't listen to anybody, Lord. He ends with, Lord, you're so faithful. Because this describes where a lot of us are when problems come. If you don't have your theology correct, you're going to be in big trouble. I have another example. One of the most famous quoted verses in the Bible. It's so taken out of context, you hear it in funerals often. And it comes out of the book of Job. And you know the story of Job. It's the oldest book in the Bible. Everything is going great for him. The enemy attacks him. In the midst of the attack, in the midst of the problem, Job said something. And this is what he said. You hear it at funerals. Yeah, the Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. And, and that's quoted oftentimes as the Lord just takes things out of your life. But do you know what Job said at the end of the book of Job? This is what he said. He said, I take back everything I said about God. God's faithful. God gave him double. God, he ended up with double. He was the richest man before. Now he's twice as wealthy as anybody on earth. He said, I, hey guys, I take back everything I said. This is, guys, this is why, because when problems come, they can be a wrong source of thinking in your life. That's when, that's why James said it like this. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Like when it comes to this, this theology, don't be misled. Because whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. Here it is. He never changes or casts a shift in shadow. That's your God. If it's good, it came from God. And you gotta get that theology correct. Here's another one. Psalm 13, he said, David said, Lord, God, how long? How long, Lord, will you forget me? He goes, forever? I'm sure none of you ever prayed a prayer like that. Like, God, where are you? You forgot about me? How long will you hide your face from me? Like, God, how much longer is it gonna go on? How long must, here it is, I must, must I wrestle with my thoughts? Source of wrong thinking. And day after day, because of these thoughts, I have sorrow in my heart. I'm depressed. I have hope. I'm hopeless. It's not the reality, but I'm hopeless. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes, my foes will rejoice when I fall. But, here he ends it, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Problems have a way. It can be a source of wrong thinking in our life, everybody. So we have devil, we have problems. And here's another thing, the world. Like I don't know if you know this or not, but the world can be a source. Of, and I have to address this because because we live now today with we're so connected, we're overconnected. We have 24-hour news. We have I, iPhones and devices that are always connected and we're always getting alerts and all throughout the day you're just getting bombarded with Facebook, social, uh, Instagram, Twitter, social media. It's over and over and over again. And the world can distort. It can be a source of wrong thinking in your life. He said it like this in the book of Ephesians. Paul said, so I tell you this. 
And in fact, he uses this language. He goes, I don't even just tell you this. I insist on it. Like, I'm going to get real strong with you on this. I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do or as the world does. He says, you, you, you're going to keep having that same source of information through the same, uh, the news cycle, through, through movies, through music, and you keep feeding on that and keep feeding on that and keep feeding on that. He says, because in the futility of their thinking, here it is, you're not going to like it, but here it is, they are darkened in their understanding, like their thinking's wrong. You get overwhelmed with all that. They're think, and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And he said, he said hey guys, this is an issue. This is a problem. If, if, you, if what you think you become, you gotta be, I just got exposed to you. There's some arenas that can bring some wrong thinking in your life. And if you think on those things too long, it usually results in a depressive you get depressed, you get in this state where, man, things are, I, I'm just not going to work. Where is God? Where are my family? I don't like my life. Fortunately, there's a book in the Bible that I'm sure a lot of you haven't made part of your everyday reading, and it's found in the Old Testament, and it was written by a guy who was depressed. And in fact, this guy was a pretty, pretty big deal back when he was alive. He was one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. He was revered, but his outward life showed this amazing where people liked him and loved him, listened to his teachings and read his writings. But inwardly, he was depressed. And he wrote a book. And God gave us five chapters. It's a five-chapter book, and it's called the Book of Lamentations. It was written by a guy named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah lets us in on what was going on in his life. I don't have time for the sake of time to go through the whole book and outline it for you and break it down, but I want to give you one chapter of it. And I want to show you the progression of how this works. Lamentations chapter 3. Here's, here's, here's Jeremiah. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. Like, like I'm, he's having a bad hair day, everybody. And uh, he's like, hey, like, like, like I've seen it all. He said, then he's going to go down and describe it. You ever met anybody that wants to describe every single detail of everything that's wrong in their life? Meet Jeremiah. He's lamenting about this. Lamentations. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Like, man, God is after me. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old. Uh, come on, everybody. Um, and has broken my bones. I mean, you, like, life's bad. When God's making you old and breaking your bones, everybody. <laughs> like that, that's just not going good for you. He's besieged me and surrounded me. Here it is, bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like, though, uh, like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out, I think this describes a lot of us, our cry for help. He shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. <laughs> like a bear lying in wait, like a lying in hiding, he has dragged me from the path. Here is, he's mangled me and left me without help. I mean, come on, it doesn't get much worse than this, everybody. I mean, I am mangled. 
I mean, God's just, I mean, he's just doing all this to me. Life just stinks. He left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. Here it is. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me. I, maybe you can, you can relate to this. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. It gets worse, guys. You think it's bad? Now it's getting worse. In verse 16, he has broken my, guys, he broke my teeth. God got some rock and started knocking my teeth out. It doesn't get any worse than this, everybody. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived. This is depression. I'm deprived of peace. And here it is. And this is, I'm dedicating this message to this person. I have forgotten what prosperity is. I've forgotten what it's like to be normal. I forgot what it's like to have peace in my life. I forgot what it's like to feel normal. So I say, this is what we do. We lose hope, so we learn to cope. We've lost all hope, so we just cope with this. This is who I am. So I say, my splendor is gone, and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. My soul is downcast within me. That's where a lot of people are. But I'm going to, God, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, did something here for us, everybody. He's going to show you where Jeremiah flipped this depression. He, he, there, and I want to give you a catalyst for change. I'm certainly not saying you're going to change just like that. But I want to give you a way out how to change. He said, I, I did something, yet I call this to my mind. I call this to my remembrance. Because here's the root of it. If I can change my thinking, I can change who I am. So I got to remember something. He says, and if I do this, I have hope because of the Lord's great love. Here it is. He ends it with, because of the Lord's great love, one of the famous verses, Lamentations 3.23, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Jeremiah did something. He, he flipped something here, everybody. He went from, man, God's given up on me. People are making fun of me. This is just who I am. And somewhere, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God flipped this man's life around. He, he's, I gotta re remember something. Here's the answer. You wanna get the catalyst for change in your life when depression or when these things, these moods hit you like this. Here it is. Here's the moment. We have to have the ability to replace lies with God's promises. If we could figure out, how do we do it? Here's my illustration. This is you. This is the inside of you. This is your spirit. And this is who you are. You're thinking on things. Thoughts come. The devil tells you, you're a loser. The devil tells you, you're not going to make it. He starts putting that in. Devil, this is just who you are. You know, I mean, you went to the doctor. He said, lose five pounds. I said, I'm dead in three years. You know, and you, 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 you get a report from, from a financial report. That's it. I'm never going to make it. The boss tells you this stuff. And all of a sudden, you get filled up with wrong thinking. Somewhere along the way, if you keep that thinking in there, this is going to become who you are. 
and who you are, you're gonna be just like Jeremiah. You're gonna lament about your life, depression. Somewhere along the way, the people that overcome this, they take wrong thinking out, guys, and they drop in the right kind of thinking. Now I want you to know, this is not always easy to do. This requires effort. The Bible, New Testament, is very clear how this works. And I want to paint a picture for you. It's going to be a very clear picture of the life that you get to choose to live. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. Like, this is it. Like, you, this is what's going to happen to you. If you think about this, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. It's like, if you could get this, I mean, you could have different, if you could change the way you think, you could have different results in your life. He said, so, letting your sinful nature, here it is, control your mind leads to death. Like, that's not what you want. Like, if you, like those three sources of wrong thinking comes in your life, that's not what you want. But what I'm saying is, is this, just because a thought pops in your head doesn't mean it's true. Just because a thought comes in your mind doesn't mean it's right. He says, but letting the Spirit control your mind, and this is what I think we all want. We want life. Come on, everybody, this is what we want. We want peace. And he said, hey, it's right there. Like, if you could get this mind, if you could get the thoughts in your mind right, you could have the peace that you want. So let me wrap it up. I got five minutes left with you. And I want to let you in on a little secret about our church. And uh, if you were on staff at our church and you were a pastor on our team and I meet with them every Tuesday morning and they hear this over and over and over, this is what, this is what, this is what we do. You see we do services, you see we do all the things that we do, but this is the main thing. And if we don't get this right, then what we do doesn't work here. And I want to tell you what, what I call a win for East Coast Believers Church. I don't call a win, you know, a filled up auditorium. I don't call it a big offering. I don't call it children's ministry, blowing up numbers in there. This is what we call a win for us. Here it is. It's moving you from where you are to where God wants you to be. That's why we exist. We're always trying to move you from where you are this year to where we think God wants you to be. And how do we do this? This is why I tell you this over and over again. I, oftentimes you'll hear me say, give, give, give me, or give God just one year of your life. And if you'll give God one year of your life, everybody, like, well, here's my promise to you, your life. I heard this from Pastor John Osteen, which is Joel Osteen's dad. When I was a young minister, he says, challenge people to give God one year. He goes, because what I know about this is God will never fail them. And give God one year of your life. And so for here, we say, hey, go for it for one year. Like, do everything that we do here and like, like commit. I'm gonna be part of Sunday mornings. I'm gonna go to first Wednesdays just for one year. I'm gonna join a small group. I'm gonna go through Grow. Like everybody, let me say, I don't ask you to go through Grow for my good. I ask you to go through Grow for your good. It'll, it'll impact your life. It'll change four Sundays, second service. Go through Grow. There's one going on right now. There's one starting in February. Every month we have it over and over and over again. It'll change your life. Join a team. Like be part of it. Like we do three conferences a year. We do a, a, usually a, at the beginning 
beginning of the year in February, we got one coming up called Smart Conference. Like go to that, go to the men's conference, one day conference, go to the ladies conference, one day. Do it one year and after one year, like, like we'll call the play, run the play. And if you do after one year, your life will never be the same. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to move you from where you are to where God wants you to be. But there's one thing that I can't do for you. And, and, and like, I know, I know what we do works. I know lives are changed. I just met someone after last service. They came to me and said, thank you for doing what you do. Four months ago, I'm an agnostic. Today, I'm born again, serving the Lord, following him. Like, I'm just saying it works. This works. But there's something I can't do for you. We can have incredible Sunday morning services. We can have absolutely amazing first Wednesdays. We can have, a, we can have uh, small groups that are full of life. We can have grow consistently. We can have amazing conferences two or three times a year. But this one thing I can't do is going to require you to do something if you want to change your thinking. And it goes back to a d- discipline. And I'm wrapping it up right here. Here's the verse for it. Hebrews 4 says, the Bible, the Word of God, it's alive, it's powerful, which I don't think anybody would argue with that. It's alive, it's powerful. And he, and he goes on, he goes, let me, let, me, let me drill this down a little deeper for you. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It does something that you don't realize that it's doing when you're reading it. It's cutting between soul and spirit. Like it's getting in that mind. You're thinking you're just reading the Bible? It's doing something. It's changing your thinking. It's changing the way you think. It, it even goes between joint and marrow. Here it is, guys. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You know when you read the Bible? It does something. It exposes wrong thinking in your life. Oh, why am I thinking that? Okay, God, I see that differently. And so if you, the easy way out of this would be for me to preach a good message, go home, nothing changes. You feel good for three or four days and these thoughts come back at you again and you're in the same spot. But I care about you too much to leave you there. I want to leave you with a challenge. Here it is. I start every year this way and I call it the first 15. And I'm going to ask you, if you really want to see radical change, because I can do this great on Sundays. We can get this right. I know what we do. It works. But what I want to do is have life change in your life that happens Monday through Saturday too. We can give God five minutes of the Bible every day. Five minutes of worship. Five minutes of prayer. I know already a lot of you are going to go, well, that's not enough. But this is a good starting point for a lot of people. Do you know what happened if you give God five minutes of the Bible every day? That word that's alive and powerful will start coming in and start exposing the wrong thinking in your life. See, you're not just reading history. Come on, please. Don't read the Bible out of obligation or duty. That's not the way. That never was God's plan. Read it. Read it because it'll change your life. It's going to expose wrong thinking in your life five minutes. In fact, we're starting something this year. Every year I do a Bible reading plan and, um, and, and with our team, I even go deeper with them and share the books that I'm reading this year. But, 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 but 
we're doing a Bible, New Testament Bible reading plan and it's on our website. You click on there, you can download it. And if you read one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, do you know it's, it takes you about five minutes a day to read one chapter of the New Testament? And if you'll do that, I'm gonna read it along with you, along with my other reading that I'm doing. And we can read through the whole New Testament and in one year, if you'll just read it five minutes a day, one chapter a day. Come on, everybody, we can do that. But I'm not interested in you just checking off a list I read the Bible. What I wanted to do is to help you change the way you think. Because what you're thinking is what you're becoming. Five minutes of worship, five minutes of prayer, the first 15. If you give this to God, I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. Go to our website, eastcoastbelievers.org. On there, on the top of it, you click on that. You can download it. You go visit it every day, and you can just click on the link, and it'll pop right up on your screen. Or if you want, you can stop out in the information booth out there in the lobby. They have a sheet, and that's what I do. I don't do all the other stuff. I use a sheet, and I just check on there every day what I read. At the end of the year, my whole sheet's going to be just, it's going to be completely checked off every day. And what am I going to do? What am I doing? I'm not just saying, oh, I read the New Testament this year. I'm changing the way I think. Changing the way I think is changing who I am. This is why we always start every year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on, everybody. We're in week two this week. Week two. We made it through week one, everybody. And um, we do this for 21 days. And, and, it, and it's nothing, there's no special formula to this. You can read a book in our bookstore called The Great Awakening by Stovall Weems. There's a, there's a, a, a quote in there that just spoke to me. Fasting, it, it doesn't move God because God never changes. Fasting, all it does is it gets us further away from the world. Prayer gets us closer to God. And if we can get closer to God and further away from the world, life will be changed. I invite you to join us Monday through Friday. We're praying here at 7 a.m. to 7.45, Saturdays from 9 to 10. And uh, if you can't come in person, join us online, ecbc.tv. We're streaming it, and we're just blown away by the... I mean, so many people are watching online, and a lot of people are joining us as well in person. What are we doing? 21 days. We're, we're creating a new habit in our life. Where we said, okay, we're going to change way we think and if we can change the way we think we change who we are we change who we are from the inside guess what all those things on that list that you want to see come to pass they start coming to pass automatically everybody we, we can do this we can get closer to god this year thank you for listening to the east coast believers church podcast we hope you are blessed by this message For more info about this podcast or other resources, visit eastcoastbelievers.org.